everyone and welcome to this week's episode of We're Spinning Plates. I'm Kira and I'm Em and it is just such a beautiful day today. I'm just oh my gosh, yes. the dream right now. It's a bank holiday Monday which is just always such a novelty and the sun is shining which just feels like again a major novelty given how much torrential rain we've had over the last few weeks. Like I genuinely forgot what the sun looked like. So. I'm like surprised the sky had any more rain left in it. Like, it rained that I know, much. it felt like it shouldn't have kept going, and yet it did. However, if we are now about to head into, like, heatwave season, I'm kind of glad that there was so much rain, because it means that, like, the grass and everything will be green for longer, rather than going brown like it kind of did last year, so. Mm. Are we actually yeah. heading into heatwave season? I don't know, I'm manifesting it. Oh, I am, okay. because yeah. I'm It's meant to be nice tomorrow it. as well. It is, yeah. I think Jay said that his... Um, weather app. We all use different weather apps, I'm pretty sure, but he uses Met Office and, um, I know, Jazzy. Um, and it said that it was going to be 20 degrees for like the next six days. So, <gasps> living I our best know. lives. I mean, as you can probably see on FaceTime, I don't think my face can take any more sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to stay inside. Luckily, <laughs> it's back into the work week tomorrow, so you won't be able to go out in the sun for the majority of the hottest part yeah. of the day. Which is good because clearly uh, your skin is not made for the sun. (laughs) No, clearly not. (laughs) What was your weekly high and low this week? Okay, so my weekly high was... (laughs) I can't... I'm like, I always struggle to remember where we left off last week. I don't remember which day we I know what you want to have as your high and you haven't talked about it yet. Okay, so my high of the week (laughs) is that on Tuesday we went to do a pottery class. Um, By we, I mean me, Em, and our friend Sarah who bought it for me for a birthday present so we collectively went to this pottery studio that's about an hour away from where we live and it is like a three-hour session it was like an intro session for us so we got to do a few different techniques most excitingly of all we got to use the pottery wheel which (laughs) I was just so thrilled about um because I watched the great pottery throwdown this year fell in love with it and was like you know what I think this could be my calling in life. I'm going to be a potter. I've never done it before, never even really touched clay, but I just had this sense that I was meant to do it. So I had a great time. Um, Em, I'm sure, is going to try and convince you all that she was terrible, but that's not true. Um, We did some hand building, which granted was not your, <laughs> not your skill but then we went to the wheel and you actually made some really great bowls like I was impressed with your bowls I like and yeah they were quite uniform I don't think I could make anything more jazzy than that but they were quite nice they, for like, your I first think, ever session yeah like, never touched clay before I just think given that you had that much skill just like initially having never done it before if you had my desire to learn how to do pottery I think you'd be really good at it but you don't have that desire but still I was impressed and in general it was a lot of fun I was not like a a pottery protege but I was not terrible either like I made I think you were things. pretty good like the things I made looked like balls you know they weren't the best balls but they looked very clearly like they were balls so that was good because you could tell what I was trying to make um, and that gave me a lot of hope because I think it's going to be a skill that obviously just takes time and the more you do it the better you get but I've already booked to go again this week with Jay this time because he watched the pottery throwdown with me and I'm very excited to see how he finds the whole pottery I series. definitely want you to film that the first time he tries the pottery wheel I need you uh-huh. to film that yeah it's going to be a lot of fun I hope he's good at it um but not as good as me. (laughs) 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 But no, that was definitely the highlight of the week. So it's something I've wanted to do for ages and it was just fun to finally do it and also to do it with friends because that always is a fun time. So that was my high of the week. Now my low of the week is that um, this week um, we had this alarm clock that we just could not get to work properly like it worked for two days and then it decided to go off again it's this special kind of um furry alarm clock called furry furry alarm clock it's a cat it's oscar oscar is the furry alarm clock and he is broken he's broken (laughs) is it actually oscar is that what you're talking about yeah that's hilarious i was like Um, why is she doing why is she talking about an alarm clock that's so boring (laughs) 
Um, no, it's the furry alarm clock, aka the cat. So basically, Oscar uh, sleeps in the same room as me and Jay because he's a needy little child, and um, he has just gone on so many different journeys over the last few months in terms of his sleep schedule. Um, we recently realised that he was waking up at about four a.m. every morning as the sun started to rise and meowing non-stop for food. Like he just won't stop until you feed him. Um, we always used to sleep with the blinds open because I think it's nice to wake up with the sun, but... You um, are a monster. Well, now Oscar <laughs> has changed that. We decided to close the blinds because like, maybe the darkness will allow him to sleep a little bit more. Um, worked for two days and then it stopped again. He's like figured out the schedule. So every morning at 4.30, he starts to meow. They start off really gentle and quiet and become more and more persistent until you get up and feed him. Um, so... My low of the week is that I'm very tired because I can't sleep. <laughs> Honestly, when you started talking about that low, I was like, we're going to lose listeners based on this low. <laughs> She's talking about an alarm clock. That's actually, you managed to turn that around. So thank you. my weekly high was yesterday, actually. So obviously Ooh. it's been a really sunny, lovely bank holiday weekend, which always mm-hmm. brightens my spirits. Like I think sunshine just... I don't know, it makes me feel sunshiny. Um, but that. yesterday, I went to my uncle's 50th, um, and I have quite a small family, so it was just like eight of us. But we haven't all been together in like a happy context mm-hmm. in a long time. Like, I've, yeah. I have touched on this before, like, our family has experienced a lot of grief um, in the past two years. And because of COVID and then that circumstances, it felt like we only ever met up, like, for funerals and things like that and loss and so it was really really nice to all meet for a really positive happy occasion like I'm so close to my family and so to have the opportunity to do that and for us all to just like celebrate something really Mm -hmm. happy was just absolutely my weekly high like to see everyone smiling and like all together again is just really really nice yeah so that's definitely my high that's quite wholesome high love that um and then I can think of two lows. So the first one happened about <laughs> 10 minutes ago. Kira picked up the phone, we were on FaceTime, and I answered the phone and she couldn't stop laughing at my sunburn. So I can see myself in the FaceTime camera and I definitely do look like a little cherry tomato. It was literally like I'd um, opened the FaceTime to how I imagine like 14 or 12 year old M would have looked like because you looked so young, but like, because you, you just had a shower as well. So you looked so fresh faced and just like sunburned like it was almost as if I just picked up the FaceTime call to like a young you who was FaceTiming me from holiday so (laughs) just feel like it's been a holiday day I've been lying in museum gardens for anyone that doesn't live in York that's like a really nice park area would you call it a park Mm -hmm. my my voice just was green green. yeah there's a lot of green area it's a park Um, it's so busy there though everyone loves it yeah just you know having oh my god there's a massive spider on my floor no! oh my god no it's massive oh my god <laughs> i haven't got anything to catch it oh Wait. no hang on oh my god it's actually massive ah! i'm gonna get it i'm gonna get it oh it's gone <laughs> oh it went so moving oh my god that obviously <laughs> Obviously, just had to pause the podcast because massive spider literally just crawled right back home. Oh my! You actually have a problem. That's the third spider in three weeks that you have had to get. I know it is a real issue in this room. Anyway, can't remember what I was talking about. Weekly low. Oh yeah, so the sunburn. That's the new weekly low. Yeah, that was a weekly low that just happened in real time. Uh, and then also, I feel like the pottery has made me realise how difficult I'm going to find it to drive. <laughs> Because I had one of the, like, the pottery wheels where you, like, push down the pedal to accelerate Mm -hmm. the wheel, and I just couldn't coordinate that with doing the pottery as well. I was really bad at that aspect of it, and so it's made me realise I'm not going to be a great driver. I don't think that's necessarily true, though, because I do think that when you have like the feeling of driving, like as in when you push on the accelerator, you move. So it's like it's less abstract whereas with a wheel like it's you don't have as much of a like feeling for it because you're just pushing on it but then something else is moving whereas in a car like the first few times you push on the accelerator you'll jolt and you'll go too fast and it'll be really jerky and then it just gets smoother the more times you do it so I wouldn't worry too much about that I know I just he said didn't the guy say to us like oh if you drive like you'll be used to this and I was like I don't drive (laughs) and then yeah exactly so it's like it's not um like driving 
when you talk about driving a manual car, it seems like how on earth are you going to be able to remember to do the gears, the clutch, the brake, the accelerator, and remember it all at once. But it is just like riding a bike. And once you have figured it out, it's literally like the easiest thing in the world. And also like you'll stall the car the first few times, which again, it means that you change the gear wrong and then you jolt forwards and the car cuts out and you have to start it again. And you'll do that lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of times. And you'll think, how am I ever gonna learn how to drive? But then after you've passed your test and you've been driving, you'll reach a point where you're like, oh, I never stole the car anymore. And then you see a learner driver stall when you sat in a queue and there's loads <laughs> of cars waiting. And then you think, oh, that was me once. And <laughs> you'll just feel really proud of yourself. It's definitely, I actually like, when we were talking about goals, you know, in the last episode, I forgot mm-hmm. to mention that I think one of my m- a major goals for me this year is definitely finally learning to drive. Like it's something that I've been putting off since I was 17. Uh, <laughs> and I think this year might be the year. It definitely might be. You can definitely do it. I have full faith in you and your abilities to drive. If it makes you feel any better, seeing as she is an icon and a legend, um, my mum, Tracy, (laughs) she um, only learnt to drive when, like, her and my stepdad separated. So how old was I then? Maybe, like, 18. So she didn't learn to drive until she was, like, in her 40s. She was always really scared of it and had never needed to, but then she did need to, so she did, and now she drives. Oh, Tracy. Tracy is an icon, you're right. Yeah, I definitely... Inspiration to all. (laughs) It's definitely one of those things that, like, there's a lot of pressure to do it as soon as you are, you know, as soon as you're old enough. And I Mm -hmm. did not feel confident enough um, or, like, ready. I was very scared of it when I was 17. Like, my sister started straight away after her... Is it 17? It's 17, isn't it? It's 17, Yeah. yeah. She started straight after her 17th birthday and she's well ahead of me, but I don't think there's any shame in waiting until you're ready. Um, I don't yeah, think we've ever talked about driving not. on the podcast, but yeah, that's my thoughts on it. I definitely wasn't ready, but I do feel like this point in my life, I am. Yeah, I think as well for a lot of people, like it's something fun to do. Whereas if it's less exciting to you, like the actual concept of driving, then I think it's more something that comes up when you're like, oh, I think my life would be easier if I had a car. Yeah, definitely. So, like, I didn't learn when I was 17. Jay started as soon as he could, like, because I think that's just a, a general boy thing. It's like, I'm excited to drive a car. But um, I only learned when I was in my, like, first or second year of uni. I think I passed when I'd just gone into second year. And that was because I'd started a job in a school. Um, and because of my shifts, I was, like, getting the bus to the school, then from the school to uni, and then back to the school and, like, splitting shifts up and stuff. And it was taking me so long. And basically, it was just going to be so much easier if I had a car. So I got one and my life changed dramatically for the better. And I could fill the time that I used to spend on buses getting a pre-lecture Cafe Nero hot chocolate. So. Ooh, that's just sold me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely exactly. the thought of being able to get McDonald's drive through whenever I want <laughs> makes me want to learn to drive. Um, Think of all the delivery money you'll save. <laughs> I know, exactly. That is the main motivation. So yeah, little um, kind of tangent about driving. But before we close up the roundup, do you have anything else? you want to talk about um i have two things one is kind of another high of the week um, and i feel like this is something that maybe a lot of people will be able to relate to and that is that this week i got a new pair of jeans and they fit and the amount of happiness i felt at putting on those jeans and them being a good fit it was just unbelievable i haven't bought jeans since we've been in lockdown because changing rooms have been closed and I find jeans are something that I like to try on. Like, yeah, because it's just so hard to know just looking at them. And even when they have like measurements and stuff, I just feel like I bought jeans based on measurements on other jeans that fit me. And then those new jeans have not been the right fit. And I just think that they're so difficult. So I've ordered a couple of pairs recently, finally got this new pair and it was just so nice. I've been wearing them like every day this weekend and just feeling like my best self because the whole world of outfits has been closed off to me because all of my old jeans seeing as I haven't been able to buy any for over a year have had holes in and just basically needed replacing so that was a definite I I feel like jeans and bras when you try them on and they fit it's like a glorious Mm -hmm. moment it is because I think it's so rare like to just like put them on and be like this is perfect like there's nothing I change about this and so it was a real good time especially because I've had a few 
bad gene experiences lately, whether that's because of lockdown laziness or just not picking the right size or what. I've just had a few bad experiences and I know you shouldn't let genes dictate your happiness, but it is a little bit demoralizing when you're like, I can't get these genes over my thighs. So it was nice to have a pair that were just like, perfect. So loved that for me. Um, and <laughs> And the other thing that I want to talk about is just brief, but it has taken up a large part of this week. And that is just that I've been spending all of my time watching Grey's Anatomy. Can't remember if I've mentioned this yes. in the last couple of weeks, but I'm obsessed. I'm loving it. There was an episode. It was the season six finale. Um, <gasps> oh my gosh, that the shooter in the hospital. That mm-hmm. is the most stressful episode. Well, it's two episodes, isn't it? It's yeah. two episodes. And when that first shot is fired you should have seen my jaw actually drop. Like, I couldn't believe it. It was so tense. So many tears. Um, so gosh, much just, just like emotional. anxiety. I remember me and my housemate, when we were still in lockdown, so you know you had to be inventive, inventive with the things you did at the weekend because we couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. We sat <laughs> and we watched like five season finales of Grey's Anatomy in a row. And I wow. did not realise how dramatic they are. Like, you've got the shooting, you've got the plane crash, the drowning. And we watched them all in, in a row. And afterwards, we were like, we shouldn't have done that. Like, my emotions are so high. Like, I feel so tense. It's so tense. And then just, like, that one in particular, the aftermath going into the beginning of season seven. And, like, obviously, you got Christina with her PTSD and Meredith with the baby. And just, like so much intensity and honestly I feel like you know it is just a medical drama but I feel like they convey everyone's emotions so well like when you know Derek's in the OR and you know you've got um April and Meredith waiting and then Owen comes in and you realize that the shooter is in the OR and it's like it's brilliant acting it's such good acting and I feel like you really feel all of their emotions so I'm not ashamed to say that I cried (laughs) (laughs) no that is a really stressful episode like when Meredith loses her baby I just found that really really emotional in that episode but the question oh you go it's just like not only that but the fact that she was then trying to operate on someone else so April noticed that she was bleeding and then Meredith was just like yeah this is happening but we've got to carry on because they were operating on Owen at the time so it was like the strength that she had to have to like go through something so horrible but then still maintain like calmness it's just like it's a really I don't know it's like stressful it's moving all at the same time but my question about Grey's Anatomy for you is (laughs) who is your favorite Grey's Anatomy couple oh couple couple and character couple and character Mm, okay so I think a singular character might be Alex. Alex, that's mine. Yeah. Alex is I a just great think character. He's such a vibe, and like, you know, I think you see him go through so much growth, and he's yeah. very complex, but I think you can really see that he's a good guy. And when he meets you know, Joe, I love those episodes where they go from friends to like realizing that there's something between them. I love that storyline. I just think he has, like, you know, like, he's really funny. He's, like, serious, it gets to the point, but then I think there is also, like, a niceness to him. And I also just think him with, like, the kids where, yeah. like, he doesn't like anyone else to know that he cares about them, but he does. It's just yeah, him becoming a, like, to go into paediatrics was, I think, one of the best moves they made for his character arc. Like, I just thought that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there's people like Christina and Meredith who kind of, like, know what specialty they want to go into from the beginning. Yeah. Which is interesting because they're so driven, but I think it's nice to see characters like Alex who kind of come in not knowing where they want their career to take them and then they kind of find their calling. It's yeah. real nice. So Alex is my favourite singular character. Um, now, granted, I'm only on season seven, so like I don't mm-hmm. know everyone who might get together forever and ever, but... I think have I'm you never watched basic. past season seven? Mm-mm, no. Did I ruin stuff I for you then? No, no, no. I really do. I love spoilers, and okay. also like I know lots of the characters in it now are gonna be dead. I know lots of them die, yeah. so <laughs> okay. I'm not scared. I'm not scared of the future. I have at one point was like I've given too much time to Grey's Anatomy, so I started looking up what happened to certain characters, which is how I found out what happened to George and Izzy like before, oh, so I knew gosh. that going in. Um, but yeah, so. I don't care about spoilers, but Oof. my favourite couple is um, just uh, Meredith and Derek. I is think, it? You know. Oh, that is so is, you know. rogue. I just think, you know, they're obviously the OG couple for one thing, yeah. you know, McDreamy and all that. And I also just think they are just each other's people. Like, you know, 
it's just especially after watching the shooting episode and Meredith was willing to put herself on the line to save Derek yeah I, I mean just think, you know I'm just not a massive Derek fan I don't think for me it's J-Prol all the way Jackson and April I love Jackson and April I know that they can we just talk actually, about Jackson though yeah like, Jackson Avery Jackson is it even legal for someone to be that beautiful because it's just not fair <laughs> wait we're talking about Jackson not me <laughs> <laughs> I'm never gonna say anything like that again. <laughs> it's on the it's on the podcast now for everyone to hear. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Grey's Anatomy. I could do a full episode on it. I won't lie to you. And I've only got in seven seasons. So think about how long I can That's talk about crazy it. Crazy that you don't know. I thought you were rewatching, not watching. No, I'm watching, watching from the well for the first time. Yeah, this is exciting. It's, tell me about it. It's my whole life, though. I'm dreaming about it. Just living through Grey's Living Anatomy. your best Grey's Anatomy life. Like, yeah. would I ever want to be a surgeon? No. But do I love pretending that I could be a surgeon? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, so with that Grey's Anatomy analysis, shall we move on to our main section? Let's do it. Okay, so moving on to the main theme of this week, it was my turn to choose and I always feel the pressure, the dread, the (laughs) indecision hits me when it's my turn, which happens, you know, once every two weeks. So it's a feeling I have to battle with quite frequently. Um, But I was actually reading a book this week called The Cornish Midwife. It's a fluffy romance and I'm loving it. But in this book, it kind of talks a little bit about careers and it kind of got me thinking about the idea of having a calling, whether or not you need to know what you are meant to do and whether or even having something that you're meant to do is important or whether or not you kind of have a bit more choice and control over it and I just thought this could be a fun decision seeing as we've both ended up in the same career but I'm assuming a fun decision discussion (laughs) discussion a fun discussion to have about careers callings and all that fun stuff so thoughts <laughs> yeah as soon as you sent me the text saying that you wanted to do this after a lot of you being like I can't think of anything I always <laughs> want to quit when it's my turn <laughs> yeah <laughs> I thought back to a conversation I had with my parents a few months ago when we were talking about like differences between generations I think we mm-hmm. were originally talking about dating because whenever you know you bring up dating um, mm-hmm. and like being exclusive and all the different stages with parents they're like in my day we just courted and we were <laughs> official it was one of them just discussions and so we were talking about um like generational things and they said that they felt that younger generations nowadays focus so much on like finding they didn't mention the word calling but it felt very much like that's what they were trying to say like finding your calling finding the job that's you know jumping around from job to job trying to find the one that's perfectly suited to you um like just the idea of having a perfect life instead of like and, and them thinking that things, other things are not settling for the ideal is like settling. And so we yeah. had this whole conversation about it and it did get me thinking about it because it is really interesting to think about the fact that that might be related to, I think, our generation's kind of burnout culture. Yeah, which is a whole discussion in and of itself, yeah. I think. But yeah, now that you've said it like that as well, I guess that is very true because I think obviously, especially because we are content creators and maybe we come across this concept more often but there is like a lot of people whose like dream is to leave the nine to five leave any kind of like um structured employment and go into being self-employed because that's like their calling and what they're meant to do but it's like is it actually like you know like their calling or is that just because um that's what like lots of people do and it seems like an attractive prospect and I guess it's like what is a calling you know and yeah the thing that came up in this book which was obviously about midwives was about how this young girl her parents had like IVF to get her and her middle name was named after the midwife because she made the experience so incredible and ever since that point and being told about that as a young child and sort of made her value and just like see how great midwives could be this girl decided that that's what she wanted to do so she became a midwife I obviously watch Call the Midwife religiously and again things like medical shows like that and like Grey's Anatomy it seems like people 
just know and it's the kind of thing that you have to dedicate your life to because you require so much training and once you kind of end up in that profession it seems like you don't really change your mind whereas people like us who are in you know still important jobs you know a job is a job but in a career where it's like it's easier to change your mind change industries mix things up a little I just wonder whether having a calling is like specific to certain career types maybe yeah that's really interesting actually I think there's a lot of kind of see our the careers that we do now we could have gone to university and done really any degree you don't have to do a marketing degree I did geography you did English English, whereas a lot of like when I went when I was choosing my degree my mum she did pharmacy which leads to being a pharmacist for example and she was like why don't you do a vocational degree like you know it leads to a job kind of thing Mm -hmm. um And it is interesting because I think the people that choose to do vocational degrees, it kind of is like maybe they find their calling like quite early on because that's big commitment to start a degree in something that has like a career at the end Mm -hmm. of it. So that is interesting to think of it as like different jobs. And I also think like with a calling, um, I remember I had a conversation with one of my friends about this um, and I think they had seen like, you know, maybe some of the things that we're doing or like some just online people being creative yeah um and they'd said that it made them feel like they hadn't found their calling and that they were kind of like less than because they didn't think they had a calling like they enjoy their job they enjoy their life but there's nothing that like like job wise or hobby wise that absolutely like sets their soul on fire and Mm -hmm. then they worried that they had they were missing something or like missing out on something or just missing something from their life which is interesting because i think the idea of a calling can be really romanticized and it can be seen as like this amazing thing when you find it but also it can be seen to make people feel really shit when they don't or if they don't or if they don't know what their calling is 100 percent. i feel like i don't have a calling because specifically thinking about degrees i wrote a full personal statement to do a vocational degree i was going to apply for mental health nursing i'd also considered psychology which i knew would require a lot of studying because i was going to have to do the psychology degree and then a master's work as an assistant psychologist and then apply for phds and you know academically could I have done it probably but did i have the like burning desire to put myself through that much academia I don't think so. So that's where I'm like, okay, those things are not my calling because could I have physically done them? Yes. But I think like the calling is like wanting to go above and beyond or maybe not even necessarily feeling like, like hard work because you know, it's the thing that you need to do to take you to the end result that you really want. And I think my lack of desire to follow through that entire path was kind of clear that it wasn't the path for me. So I feel like, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that as well even if you like start off on a vocational path and then you realize oh this isn't necessarily the path for me I wouldn't worry about it too much because I really think you know there might be some people who really do have a calling but I have two theories on this the first thing is that maybe it's like a is it like left brain and right brain where you're either like analytical or you're creative oh, yeah, um, I think it is yeah I think maybe a calling is for the left-brained people who are more analytical, I think that's the right way around, who like to have a clear direction, they like things to follow a particular path and they like to know what the end result is gonna be and know exactly how they're going to get there. And a vocational career or a calling or something like that is a really great way to have that mapped out and to have that logical, rational route to the direction that you wanna go in. Whereas I think for creative people who like to maybe move around more, have a bit more flexibility, maybe would like to develop skills, say for example in marketing, but have the ability to apply that in multiple different industries. I feel like maybe a calling is less common for people like us who are maybe like a slightly more creative. So that's theory one. So if you feel like you don't have a calling, but you're a creative person, it might be that that's just not the way that your brain wants to work and actually like limiting yourself to one final end goal just goes against what is like inherent in your nature. Whereas if you are more analytical and logical and just like you like structure, then having that end goal might be like the perfect way for you to lead your life. So that's theory one. And theory two is kind of similar to that logic and analytics, but it's just that by framing things as having a calling, it makes your life and everything seem 
more structured. So I feel like having a calling isn't necessarily like suddenly you just had this epiphany that you have a yeah. calling and that's what you're meant to do. But you made a decision and that's where you choice, want to go. Yeah. And kind of decided that that is your calling because that means that you have something that you want to work towards, you have this end goal and you have a purpose. And so I feel like there's a definite crossover between purposes and calling, but I don't mm. think they're necessarily like the exact same thing because I think the idea of having a calling is quite comforting to a lot of people like I think life to go on like a big deep scale like a lot of people say like the word existential crisis (laughs) and if you're having like a moment where you like think about life like it is this really big thing yeah and sometimes focusing on something Mm -hmm. that you know is your thing and your goal and I also think this is true in maybe in things like religion or groups or beliefs and things like that like to have something to focus on in your life kind of comforts people and gives a meaning to life so I think a calling can be like that but I also think that the idea of a calling can be the opposite of comforting because I would say that writing is probably if I was going to choose a calling it would be that it's something I've always done it's something I love to do um and obviously when I published my book like that was my my dream come true like not to be dramatic but it was my dream come true however as I've settled into adult life you know working full-time doing the podcast um going to the gym like having a social life I don't have at this point in my life like hardly any time to do it Mm-hmm. And it's something that I definitely want to pick back up and do more. But right now, I don't find the time or the space to be creative. And it makes me feel like I'm failing in giving the attention to my calling, if that makes sense. So it's like I've put this pressure on myself yeah, as like, that's my purpose in life. Mm-hmm. But now that I physically can't fit it in, it feels almost like I, I constantly am beating myself up about it. So I think it can be like yeah, a real comfort true. to some people. But it can also be like when you can't, you know, when you can't do that one thing that you've kind of focused on, it can be really negative as well. And I think the moral I take from that is probably just, it's nice to have something to comfort you. And if having a focus like helps with, you know, the grand scheme of things and life, like that is brilliant. And I'm so happy for you. Um, But also that you don't need to put pressure on yourself. If you haven't found a calling, then that, you know calling is a weird concept as we're discussing here it like is, i don't yeah. you know, it's, it, there's like there's so many things where i'm like yeah that's a really great thing and like if you feel called to something if you feel like something is like your thing to do and it's just like what you were made for that's really exciting and i think yeah that direction is something that a lot of people can continue searching for for like their whole life so it's like if you do feel called to something that's really amazing. I think when you label something you're calling, that is when your identity then becomes synonymous with this thing. So I feel like if you feel called to do something, 100% follow your dreams, go for it. But I think, yeah, the thing that's maybe like would make it better for people's mental health and also make it a bit less of this like elite incredible thing that is only for a select few people who have a calling is to just do what you feel called to do but recognize that you as a person may change and likely will change and so your calling or rather what you feel called to do what like appeals to you at different times in your life may change and I feel like that's why I've never really felt like I have a calling because I love trying new things I love exploring new things building new skills and there's plenty of things that I have started and have stopped doing and there's other things that I've started and I'm still doing to this day and absolutely love but I don't think that any of those things are intrinsically me or important to who I am as a person if that makes sense like I'm still me without all of those things although they all add to and like enhance my life if I decided to stop doing those things I'm not going to be any less me or feel like I have like lost my life's purpose if that makes sense yeah I really like that mindset. I like that mindset. (laughs) I think it's part of like burnout culture and being productive in this, you know, social media doesn't help. There's a constant pressure to be productive and be creative and to constantly be having side hustles and all of that stuff. I think the, the danger of it is that your identity does become tied to those things and so it can be really easy to start beating yourself up about something that once made you feel really, really happy. So I think it's always nice. I think it was good the way you described it as 
it doesn't have to be a life calling, but it can feel, be something that you feel called to, to, to do, do yeah. in that specific time. Like, mm-hmm. it's, we've talked, we did a whole episode on personal evolution. Like, we changed so much in our lives, our, you know, our situation and the things that, that we were able to give time to fluctuate so much that to give one calling to our life is a big ask for most people. And so it I think really it's less is. about focusing on that and more about focusing on maybe what do you co- feel called to do at this one time in your life? And if it's going to bring you happiness, absolutely go for it. But if it's yeah. going to put pressure on you, like maybe can, you know, think about mm-hmm. it and think about how it's tied to your identity. Totally. And I think as well, it's something that might put people off of exploring new things if they just think, oh, I yeah. might like to learn more about this. Or like, say for example, like um, a couple of years ago during... Um, NaNoWriMo, I did like 40,000 words of like a novel, which is never going to happen. I remember that. Day. Um, and it's just something that I like wanted to challenge. I love a challenge, so I just wanted to try and write as much as I could throughout the month. Um, and is that my calling? No, but if I'd have been like, oh, I don't feel called to be a writer. I don't feel like that is my life's purpose. I don't have this incredible beam of inspiration shining down on me every single day. If I'd have allowed that worry that I'm not being called to do it to stop me from trying it, then I wouldn't have written 40,000 words. And, you know, it's just a fun thing to try out. So I feel like um, just like taking the pressure off of the word calling, I feel like it just it would just make everyone's life a bit better you know if you have one and you're feeling like that's your whole identity just loosen up the grip on that like how important you think the thing is and if you don't have one but you just want to try things out do that too you don't need to be called to something it doesn't have to be your life's calling in order to be valuable Mm-hmm. I've really liked this theme. I think it was a good one. I think it's always good to maybe delve into the more... Now, I don't want to say sinister. That feels very, very extreme. But the more, you know, dangerous aspects of, like, creative culture and, like... And I think the things that maybe yeah. a lot of people are worried about, but that everyone thinks everyone else is okay with, so they don't want to talk about. So, like... yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So if anyone has any thoughts on, you know, life callings and that kind of mindset, then please let yeah. us know because I'd love to know what other people think on this topic. 100%. And if you feel like you do have one, I'd love to know because maybe I just don't get it because I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting, actually. If you do feel like you have a life calling, then I would love to know what that is because I think that's really cool. So mm-hmm. to conclude the main theme, <laughs> I don't have a conclusion. <laughs> To conclude the main theme, do what you want to do and just don't worry about it. <laughs> yep, don't worry dun, 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 about, about thing. Thing. Oh god, we were so <laughs> off. <laughs> On with the agony ant. <laughs> okay, so welcome back to the agony ant section of the podcast. We have had some great questions this week, haven't we? It's been so exciting. I feel like we've had just a bounty of questions delivered to us. I literally love it when people trust us enough to answer. Like, I'm like, who do we think we are giving out advice in this way? Um, But we had some really great questions and obviously we will be getting to the ones that we don't answer today. We will be getting to them. One of them we're going to make into like its entire own weekly theme. So if we haven't answered your question in this episode, we definitely will be. We're just getting through the backlog and we're so excited to answer them. So do you want to take it away with the first question? Okay, so this first question I thought was a really good one, one that I could definitely relate to and that I think probably a lot of other people relate to as well. Um, And that question is, um, I'm a year into a degree and not enjoying my chosen subject at all. I still want to continue with higher education, but I think I might have chosen the wrong subject. So I'm thinking about changing, but I'm really worried about finances and also about what my parents and friends might think of me. So... I just thought that was a really good one because I feel like, you know, choosing your degree is to date like one of the biggest things that you'll ever have had to do. Like it's one of the biggest decisions that you'll have ever made for a lot of people. Like that might be the first time you've kind of really taken control of your education and, you know, choosing your degree isn't just choosing a like path of education. It's also kind of like leading you towards like your future career and to like the life that you want to lead and all of that kind of stuff. So there is so much pressure to make the right decision. So my first thought when reading this question was just that, first of all, if you are starting to like worry about maybe that you've picked the wrong degree choice, like that is totally normal because it is a really big decision. And I think it's like the 
most limiting education choice that you'll have to make because it's when you've like narrowed all of your prospects down yeah. to one subject sometimes two if you do a joint honours but typically just one subject area so I feel like you know it's normal to maybe question like whether or not you should have done something else or you know the grass is always greener on the other side and so I think that is normal so if you're having doubts it also isn't necessarily that you have chosen the wrong subject you might just be sort of having a case of like curiosity kills the cat and you just like wonder whether life would be different or better if you'd gone down a different path that's something that I thought about when I was at uni in first year in second year at the end of the degree and there's something that I sometimes still think about now like I just wonder like what I would what would have Whoa. I wonder what I would be doing. That was too many W's for my mouth to handle. Um, so uh, what I would be doing if I'd chosen a different degree, because, you know, naturally it would have maybe sent you on a different path. You'd have maybe met different people, learnt different things. So I think, you know, first of all, if you're having doubts, it's normal. And it might not mean that you need to choose your de- uh, change your degree path. So that's the first thing to think about. Um, The second thing that comes to my mind when doing this is obviously the financial part, which I think is an important consideration when, you know, making a decision like potentially changing your degree. Because um, for anyone who is in the UK, you'll obviously know that we have student finance here, um, which is how most people fund their degrees. Um, But if you're not from the UK, essentially, um, it costs £9,000 a year to go to university, at least in England. I think in Scotland, if you're Scottish, you get university totally for free, which is really fun. Winning. Um, I know. But um, for everyone else in the UK, it costs £9,000 a year. You get that in a tuition loan if you apply for student finance, and then you can also get maintenance loans for living costs. However, I do believe, because I looked into this when I was thinking about changing my degree, that you don't get the full degree paid for if you then apply for a different one like say if you did oh one really year I didn't of, know like, that so for me if I'd done one year of an English degree and then swapped to psychology and had to start again from year one um student finance would only cover the other two years of my degree um but I think that can change depending on what subject you want but of course that is a big consideration because not everyone has like nine thousand pounds just lying around um as much as that would be <laughs> I lovely. definitely do not <laughs> <laughs> so Um, One thing to consider there is if you're really not happy with the subject or maybe like we've talked about having a calling in this episode, if you've realised that there's something more vocational that you want to do, um, whether that be nursing, counselling, psychology, law or something like that, there can be ways for you to continue the degree that you are doing so that you don't lose out in terms of your student finance and then do some kind of postgraduate qualification like a psychology or law conversion, a nursing apprenticeship degree like there's so many different ways that you can kind of like take the degree that you have sort of already invested time and money into and then use that as a building block for getting to your next step and of course it might feel like it's going to take longer but if financial concerns are like something that you have to think about then you know that's like a way to maybe think about going about it without losing out or putting yourself in financial difficulty and then finally because I feel like this question came in like three parts yeah um was about the concern about what friends and family will think. Now, I do think that parents would naturally be concerned at this. I don't know what you think about this, but I think... think, Yeah, I think my parents probably would have just been... I mean, I guess it entirely depends on, like, what you were studying and what you're changing to. Like, mm-hmm. if, I'd, if I'd told my mum that I wanted to go from something non-vocational to vocational, she probably would have been really excited. Yeah. Um, but it, it all true. just depends, I guess, on what the change is and why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think really parents wouldn't be concerned from a place like wanting to make you feel bad or like to stop you from following your dream. They'd be more concerned probably from a financial point of view and also just from a point of view of thinking like, you know, that they want to make sure that you are okay, that you're doing things for the right reasons and you know that you're not making a decision that you might regret so I think parents deep down they would want to support you but I think they would ask the difficult questions because that's kind of like their job in terms of like guiding you and just you know being your parents um friends I think would 100% be supportive and any friend who's not supportive you don't really need them but I do think again friends who are good friends will want to talk to you about it and help you sort of like thrash through the confusion and just like the decision making process and to support you along the way which might involve them asking questions that subconsciously make you feel like they're judging you but really they're probably just trying to help you kind of get to the bottom of your internal dilemma so end of story is this 
think about it deeply um, and decide whether or not changing the degree is really what is going to make you happy. Think about whether there's another way you can go around it that would mean that you can stick with the degree that you're currently doing and also reach the path that you want to reach eventually. And just trust the people that you trust and ask them their advice because they know you really well so they probably have some good ideas too. Yeah, I don't have, like, obviously, Kira summed that up pretty well. What I will mm-hmm. say is that I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I did change course, but just before I went to university, like, mm-hmm. at the last, kind of the last point that you could change. So it never affected me, like, financially. But I changed from philosophy to geography, and I have never regretted it. Like, it was one of the best things I did. But then I will also say that if you were in a position where you had two kind of non-vocational degrees, you were studying, mm-hmm. say, philosophy like me, and you wanted to study geography... If you couldn't do that financially, what I will say is that the job I'm in now, which I love, uh, marketing, I don't think it would have mattered which degree I had done. The person that started at the same time as me at my job, she um, did philosophy. She did a philosophy degree. I did a geography degree, which is funny because that's what I was Mm -hmm. originally going to do. So I don't Mm -hmm. think that, um, like, it might, even if if you want to do it, but you just can't, like things like that I don't think it will impact your career so I'll say that as well and then also just that if this past year has taught us anything is that life can be really short and if you really Mm -hmm. want to do something even if people say that it might not be the right thing think about it if you want to do it if it's going to make you happier then just go for it like if you do have the means to do so then just trust your gut I think we say that for a variety of questions trust your gut and go for it so Yes, that was the first absolutely. question and then the second question we got we feel like we have touched on this like before but we were talking about the fact that it is such a big topic it's like such a big part of mm-hmm. life that it is going to come up again and again because I think it's a lot of things that people would submit to an agony aunt column so yeah, this question I mean I know I love talking about this so <laughs> it's fine um so this one says hi I would love to know your opinion on being single in your 20s due to online uni and not being on campus I feel like I'm not meeting enough people which makes dating really hard I've never been in a relationship and I feel like I'm missing out it's not that I need a relationship to feel happy because I really do love myself but I feel like the lack of intimacy with another person makes me miss something I've never had I don't know if that makes sense but I hope you can help Okay, so being single in your 20s, if you're like the type of person that'll be inclined to want a relationship, you don't constantly go through being single, never wishing that that will change. Like it's inevitable Mm -hmm. that you will think, oh, like a relationship and having someone there, having that intimacy and that companionship would be really nice. Um, I would say that at university, I don't think you're missing out by not having a relationship. I think university obviously is a little bit different in COVID times and obviously you're not on campus. I keep saying obviously, (laughs) everything's so obvious. You're not on campus and it is difficult to meet people. I actually don't really know how it's working in terms of like socials and societies. Mm -hmm. But if you do get back on campus, there is so much to enjoy about university that isn't to do with a relationship. I was in a relationship for pretty much all of my degree. And to be honest, like, I probably did miss out on other things about uni that I wouldn't be able to experience Mm -hmm. again. So I think there are pros and cons to each, um, but I definitely wouldn't feel like you're missing out at university age, not being in a relationship. I don't know what you think. Um, Obviously, to preface, I've not ever been single in my 20s so far, and I don't (laughs) think I will be. Um, So that's great for me. Um, But... (laughs) I feel like I started that the most awkward way. I'm not single and I haven't been since I was 16. So I'm always coming at this from like a more res- like uh, removed point of view. However, I think probably for this person, it's the lack of just like social communication in general because it's like, yeah. it's not even as if they're meeting friends because they're doing online university. And so I think, you know, that's where just in general, this worry about missing out on like all kinds of relationships kind of comes in and I think it's maybe less so not being in a relationship but more so thinking about whether or not they would have had that opportunity to find someone had they have been in an in-person situation so I think you know it's another case of how Covid has kind of like taken away some opportunities that naturally leave people wondering like what life would have been like if this hadn't have happened so again like the first question that we had, totally natural if you're feeling this way. And I also think, you know, media, TV, books, whatever it is that you're consuming, a lot of it 
especially fictionalized media, is about people finding romantic partners. I feel like you, we are conditioned to feel like as though that is what we're supposed to be doing. But yeah, I do and if think, you aren't in a relationship, then you're kind of like lesser. Or that's not yeah, true. If you're not in a relationship, or if you're not actively seeking a relationship, that you're like not doing something right. But that's a hundred percent not true. I think, as with all things, you know, it'll come to you at the right time, and the right opportunity will present itself. And I feel like that's difficult to think about when you maybe feel like you're missing out on something and you don't have the opportunity but just know that your right time will happen you'll meet people the right way and I also think that not to say that actively seeking out a relationship is bad because it's absolutely not but I think possibly if you are seeking a relationship just because you're concerned that you should be in one is maybe not the way to find the person that's going to make you really happy because it sounds like this person is already quite happy um and the concern about having a relationship is more so just because they feel like that's what they should be doing they feel like they should so i think you know it's difficult like i think if you are seeking a relationship because that's something that you really want then you might have a different mindset and I think your result will be different but I think if you are just seeking one just to like appease society's standards then it maybe isn't gonna be what makes you happy and it actually might do the opposite so yeah that's absolutely my thoughts without any experience no but I feel like it's good that we can tackle a question from like both sides mm-hmm. um being single because up until I was about 21 I had like a you know, I wasn't, hadn't had much time where I wasn't in a relationship. And then for the first couple of years now of my 20s, I have been single. And it has been honestly one of the best experiences of my life because I feel like I did need to find out more about myself. Mm-hmm. I did need to find out like how to be more independent, how to love spending time on my own. And now that I have that skill, like I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Like, yeah, it's just that's my favorite thing that I've had that time and so mm-hmm. I think it's really valuable time if you do get the opportunity to have it I don't think you should be swayed by people saying oh when like have you got a boyfriend yet yeah. how's your love life or have you got a girlfriend yet mm-hmm. that's what society has made us all think we need but especially at like your early 20s mid 20s late 20s you've got so much life left to live there is so much time to find that later on if it happens later on like do not put a time mm-hmm. pressure on your love life because it's not I don't know, people make it seem like it is the absolute be-all and end-all, but there's so many other aspects of life to enjoy, especially when you're at university, especially when you're, you know, figuring out who you are in your 20s, so, yeah, don't put any pressure on it, as we always say, like, what is meant to be will find you, like, some way or another, it is very hard to meet people at the moment, I hear you, (laughs) COVID has made dating super, super difficult, and so it is hard to meet people organically, and you feel like, yeah, you might have missed out on opportunities where you would have met people, but I think, we can't think like that yeah, I mean it's happened to everyone that's the circumstance that we're in yeah that's so. like what we found ourselves in and it's not like if you were meant to find this certain person they will have found someone else because no one could so if that helps no one was able to go out and find people so yeah that's just a really kind of sad circumstance you know COVID has affected mm-hmm. not left any area of life untouched and unfortunately that does mean that it has been hard to meet people whether that be friends whether that be romantic relationships whether that just be keeping up relationships with your family Mm -hmm. like it has made every relationship difficult so yeah don't put pressure on it what is meant to be will find you and enjoy being single because I mean it won't last forever if you don't want it to last forever um and there's so many benefits to being single so yeah there are thoughts (laughs) and I think that concludes our agony out column this week Absolutely, and just a reminder that the like form to our completely anonymous agony ant question submit box situation is in our Instagram bio and in Em's Instagram bio as well. So if you want to submit any questions, no matter what the topic, then you can do so there. And our Instagram is we're spinning plates, so you can find us on there too. But yeah, thank yeah. you so much for listening, and see you next time. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye.